Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business owner or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you retain and attract top talent, we can help as well. Check out the link in the show notes to book a free consultation and create a customized benefits package that fits your business and budget. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host, the amazing Al McDonald. Al, uh, you having a good week? You having a great day? What do you say? Having a great time and looking forward to today's guest, our well-traveled guest. Last time we spoke with him, he was overseas in Hong Kong, I believe, but now back in Toronto, my understanding is, but very exciting. Yes. I love doing those chemistry calls for the podcast because, you know, I'll be honest, when we first started the podcast, it's about, hey, who can I get on the show? And then as the show grows, especially with the global reach now, you know, you can get a little more selective. And I do those chemistry calls to see if there's chemistry and if we can have a conversation and the person is interesting. Well, today's guest passed with flying colors. I mean, we had such a great conversation and I'm so glad we can continue that conversation on the podcast. So joining us today is Sam Davio. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thanks very much, Robin. Very kind words from both of you and Al, and I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you, and I'll just tell the audience a little bit about uh, who you are and what you're about. Sam is the co-founder of UpBeing, a remote-first pre-seed wellness startup. And prior to founding UpBeing, Sam was the VP of Operations at Statflow, which was a Series A B2B MarTech startup based out of Toronto. There, he worked across a variety of roles, including sales, partnerships, HR, and product. Sam is a fellow alumni of the Venture for Canada program inaugural 2015 cohort and a past chair of the Alumni Council, as well as the founder alumni of Entrepreneur First, the TO2 cohort, September 2021. And Sam sits on the board of the Muskoka Lakes Association, the oldest lake association in Canada, and previously helped found Layup, a leading children's sport charity in Toronto. Sam is passionate about building resilient communities, technology that changes the world for the better, I love that part, and helping people live happier, more meaningful lives. I love that part too. Sam, why don't we start at the beginning? Maybe start with Upbeing's origin story. I mean, maybe start with the background, you and your co-founder, and what inspired you to start this, what I begin to understand is a really, really cool company. Thanks so much for that, Robin. Really excited to tell you about Upbeing. I love talking about it, and I could go on forever, so let me know when I'm going on too long here. In terms of an origin story, Upbeing was founded by myself and my co-founder, Sean. Both of us approached the problem from two very different angles, and I think that's been something that's special in our co-founder relationship. I, prior to uh, starting up being, was, as Robin mentioned, was working at a startup and really learned how to operate a startup holistically from end to end in that experience. Spent six years there and wanted to try building one myself. 
ended my career at Statflow as the VP of operations. And that was something that was pivotal to me being like a, a leader at a hyper growth company. So when I was trying to start a business, I didn't know what exactly I wanted to start. My passions were in a bunch of different areas. And I joined a program called Entrepreneur First to meet co-founders, meet like-minded people and come up with an idea. I was part of Entrepreneur First with my co-founder, Sean. And Sean, likewise, had a lot of different experiences in his education and his work experience, but didn't know exactly what he wanted to start. We found a shared passion in mental health and in well-being and using and understanding our emotions through the behaviors that we exhibit. I had a passion for it because I had lived experience with clinical depression coming out of university. It was a really challenging time for me. And I felt like it took a long time to recover from that. And it was something where I learned a lot in that process, but I learned a lot in a state where I wasn't primed to learn things well. And you know, if I had some of those learnings beforehand, I think I could have avoided some of those negative outcomes that happened to me in my first two years of my career. And Sean approached it from a much more theoretical scientific background. So as I mentioned, he did his PhD in applied psychology and machine learning. And he was really looking at, in his thesis, how you can use behavior to infer a specific emotion and then use that emotion to build an adaptive UI. And he was looking at information overload specifically and the psychological state of information overload and how you can move users in and out of that psychological state through an adaptive interface. So he was looking at this much more scientifically. He was looking at emotion detection and recognition in a really scientific applied psychology way. So we combined those two experiences. One was as an individual living with the challenge and one was theoretically what we can do for the collective, for society through some of the data that we get every day from people with the technology we use every day. So that's really what inspired Upbeing. It was that combination of our two areas of learning, his much more in a scientific way and mine in a more personal way. So Sam, I love that. There's a couple of things that I'd like to share with both you and, and the audience. I love that you specifically have come at this from someone who could use it, right? You stated that you'd suffered with, with depression. And for most of my life, if someone had said they suffered from anxiety or depression, I couldn't relate. I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. And then a couple of years ago, and, and thankfully it was only for a short period of time, but I experienced anxiety that I'd never experienced in my entire life. And it was debilitating. And, you know, it moved on. Thankfully, I didn't have to experience that for a long time. But I love that part of your passion is you've experienced this. You want to help other people. And I was a little bit different than you coming up and saying, well, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I'm not sure what I want to be. I come from the world where my dad was in the business for 40 years. And I was dad's, I've told this story so many times. I was dad's last chance at carrying on the business. And, um, you know, it was funny. What, what happened to me was when dad passed away, the theme that came back from his clients was your dad always made us feel a certain way. And I was so proud of that, that he was able to do that. And that's the legacy that I try to carry on. But the other thing I noted in your response was, you know, your business partner comes at it from a completely different view. And for someone that's been in a partnership for almost 18 years with Hal, who's on the show today as my co-host and Joe Ferreira, my other business partner, we referred to us as the three little bears because we have such completely different views on what it takes to run a business. And on paper, I don't think that necessarily should have worked, but it actually works really well because we'll be in a meeting and Joe will pipe up with something that I never would have thought of. And Al might not have either. And it's a great idea. We move forward with that. So we try to take the best of 
what we all have to offer. And it sounds like that from your partnership, that's what's helping you grow as you, you know, begin to grow this company. Yeah, I think you got that dead right. I mean, Entrepreneur First talks about this framework called the Edge Framework. And the Edge Framework is basically a way of just articulating what you're really good at, what you're better than your peers at, significantly better than your peers at. And me and Sean had completely different profiles when we looked at that, like almost inverse, right? He loved design. He loved getting in the weeds of data. He loved building. He had a propensity to build. I was like, total opposite. You know, I love talking to people. I loved interacting. I got a lot of energy from meetings, right? He Meetings drained him. You know, I have experience managing a variety of different tasks and kind of constantly prioritizing. He likes deep focused work. Like it was, we were completely different from that perspective. And I think that served us really, really well. I think where we're similar is in the values we have, right? It's not necessarily in who we are as people, but it rather, well, it is who we are as people, but in a different way. It's not what we do every day. It's the values that we have as human beings and the values that define us. Those are things that I think are very similar, that we want to create technology that does good in the world, that we want to leverage data for good. Like all those things are similar, but our skill sets are very, very different. So I think that differentiation is, is helped to make us successful for sure. We've already talked a whole lot about a number of things that we could explore further, but I want to talk, if you can talk a little bit about the actual app, because I have a little bit of an advantage. We, we talked a little bit on our first call about what it does, and it was fascinating, and it got the gears turning. So can you talk a little bit about what the Upbeing app actually does, and how would anyone use it? If I was just coming along and I had the app, how would I use it? I would love to. You know, this app is is something that I'm in every single day, both as a user and helping to build it. And yeah, it's 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 something that I'd love to talk about. So thanks for that opportunity, Al. So on that note, the point of the app is to make you feel better in the day you're living right now. We don't look at a broader picture of well-being. We're really looking at, okay, what are you doing today? How are you feeling today? And how can you improve that? And we take that lens with everything that we bring into the application. So on one side, you'll have data that you integrate, and that data will indicate the different behaviors that you exhibit. So things like your e-calendar, Spotify, wearable information, your mobile phone, your browser activity, that type of information is fed into the application to infer the behaviors that you exhibit. So we automate habit tracking is another way of thinking about it. And we correlate that information to self-reported measures of emotion. This is how you're feeling. And we have a well-researched proprietary check-in flow that you would go through that you can complete in 20 seconds or less that gives a holistic picture of like how you're feeling today. And we measure things that change on a daily moment-by-moment basis. Things like your mood, things like your productivity, things like your motivation right? Those are the things that we're measuring. We're measuring what's called state-based measures of well-being, as opposed to things like life satisfaction and meaning, which usually don't change, you know, at least every single day. So yeah, you have the self-reported measures of emotion and you have those passive personalized behavioral data integrations. We integrate those two things and we give people unprecedented insight into how their behaviors drive their emotions and the feelings that they exhibit and how they can understand why they're feeling the way they're feeling, right? We give them insight into how they can understand why they feel low motivation today, but feel really calm and serene, right? We do that in that single player version, in that world where their behaviors are predicting their emotions. We also add a third data layer to this, and this is external data. So this is the idea that 
your well-being isn't just in your own control, right? People have seasonal effectiveness disorder. People have negative events that happen to them because of other people in their life. People have positive events that happen to them because of other people in their life. There are other influences to your well-being that are outside of your control. And yes, how you react to those things and how you behave when those things happen are in your control, but there is an effect there, right? And it can be quantified. So those other things are things like, yes, the weather, the stock market, pure external data sets, but they're also relational, like how your loved ones are feeling, right? And how your loved ones' feelings relate to your own and how your loved ones' behaviors relate to your own and how you can support your loved ones in real time through the application. So these are some of the other things that come out of it when you start looking at that more multiplayer version of Upbeing, where you use Upbeing within that context and invite others to join you on the journey. So that's what the Upbeing app actually does. It helps you feel better in the day you're living right now by bringing in all the different data sets of what might be affecting your well-being passively, automatically, and correlating that to how you are actually feeling based on self-reported measures. And then you can take different actions and get different insight into how you can feel better today. Yeah, that's what I wanted to understand. And you covered it right there. So if I have this app and I have all the data and it's going to tell me, like you said, you know, why I'm feeling a certain way, it's also going to give me some cues on how I can change that. Yeah, give you okay. cues on how you can change it. And some of those things could be really simple, right? Some of those things are like, hey, your sleep is off of optimal. You're going to bed at a different time each night. Try to go to bed at the same time tonight as you did the night before, right? Something as simple as that. That's actually a bigger one because it's something that's like, sort of crosses days, but it could be even simpler. Like, hey, you have a really busy meeting schedule coming up. You did not sleep well last night. Generally, when you don't sleep well, you feel less productive and you feel better doing more focused work. Can you move some meetings off to tomorrow? This would be a good day to do that. When you just start doing the relational stuff, you can get more complex. Like, hey, it's great that you're feeling high motivation, that you're feeling really great today. Something that's proven to increase your mood further is to support your loved ones. Here's some people that aren't feeling as good. Do you want to reach out to them maybe and try reaching out to them? Yeah, there's a ton of different ways you can action the insights. And then there's actual specific activities you can do if you have like a, a negative insight that comes out of the application. That is very cool. I'm glad you talked about that third level too, those external forces. And, and I don't know, Sam, maybe you can tell me if this is what you were talking about. I did a LinkedIn post earlier this week that garnered a lot of attention. And it was over the weekend. And the first was going into a bank and I just got the worst experience. And for a company that wants to ultimately deliver that wow experience every single time and every single interaction, I got the exact opposite. I think I walked out of there angry and I'm in the car with my wife complaining to her. And I realized halfway through, I'm like, okay, that person just completely changed my mood and negatively affected my relationship with my spouse because here I am complaining to her. She doesn't want to hear that. And then the identical thing happened at a gas station the next day. And again, it affected my mood. So these external forces we have to recognize. And I actually got some great insight back on LinkedIn about taking into perspective what was going on in that person's world. But I was disappointed in myself that it allowed me to change my mood. That tiny little interaction allowed me to change my mood in that. So I find this fascinating. This is why we're talking on the podcast, because our chemistry call was so interesting about this. But I was wondering if we could maybe take a turn down the path of, because I'm very interested in this. I love the entrepreneur journey. Uh, so I'd love to talk about and explore a little bit about where are you guys at your journey now? What's your upcoming goals? Yeah, for sure. It's actually a really exciting time 
to be at the company in our short history. I mean, we only started December, 2021. So it's not like we've been around for, for super long, but you know, when I think back to last year, a lot of it was just getting it off the ground, right? Testing our initial hypotheses, raising money, hiring team members, like getting it off the ground. Now we have the whole team here, right? Like we have what we think we need in the organization to get us to the next stage, to get us to our next round of funding, to hit the traction goals that we have in mind. And we're building, like we're building together as a team. And like to see the team not only be like highly motivated, but to be getting increasingly productive and already they're quite productive and to see the results in the application, you know, see it built is really, really exciting. And simultaneously to be starting to like really get into, okay, like, what do you think about this user X, right? And how can we change this experience for you? And like having those really nuanced, detailed conversations of interactions and features and it's just such an exciting time to be at the company. So yeah, right now we're building. Our upcoming goals with that in mind is to prove that the B2C application that we built out today is valuable, retentive, and engaging. That doesn't necessarily mean grow revenue a certain amount. That doesn't mean have crazy millions of users. It means for a couple thousand users, is our app having true value? Are people using it on a daily basis and getting the value we want out of it, i.e. helping themselves feel better on a daily basis? And are they engaging with it over time, right? Like, are they engaging it for a month, two months, three months, however long we can measure? So that's our goal. It's a daily active user goal. It's a traction goal. It's a goal that proves that the app itself is valuable. Once we have that, then we'll step on the growth engine. Then we'll step on the monetization engine. We'll figure those things out. But the first step is just to make sure that the product works in the way we intended or in a new way that we'll learn. So that's our next goal. From a capital perspective, once we meet that goal, we'd probably seek to do another round. And we feel pretty good about hitting that this year for sure and raising another round this year. Sam, this is coming from someone who's 18 years now into building in this company with Al and Joe. Do you journal or do you write things down about what you want to see happen with the company? Personally, I don't journal that much. I have a notebook and I write thoughts in it. It's not like a structured journal and I don't do it in any like regular frequency. But for the company, I have instituted like very detailed alignment documents, right? From like a product positioning perspective, like here's the future that we imagine ourselves in. Here's what we imagine the product of the future should be. And there's refinements to that constantly. And here's the future business that we wish we will be. And here's what we're working towards in the next nine months. So there's a lot of vision, product positioning, OKR type documents that exist in the organization that create alignment across the organization and also get people to share their thoughts. We have some really talented, smart people that work for us now, and they're highly motivated and driven within our business. I know that because of all the one-on-ones I did at the end of last year and like the surveying we did. And yeah, we want their thoughts. So we want to have that transparent, open environment. And the only way you do that is by writing down what you think and inviting other people to compare against that. And writing is especially important in a remote context, right? I always say this to my team, but in a remote context, which we are, asynchronous communication becomes like the most important skill that everyone has, like the most important common skill in the organization, right? So we all have to be really, really good at fostering community, building alignment at ensuring that we're getting the stuff we need done and we're talking to each other in an asynchronous fashion. 
The reason yeah. I had asked the question to you specifically, and again, I'm at a different stage of my career than you. And, you know, again, the title of this series is Success Leaves Clues. And, and guests like you always come on and provide some of those clues. And hopefully I can give some back along the way. And and one of the things that I would recommend to you is keep writing things down from a business perspective. Maybe start writing things down from a personal perspective. Because one of the things that I've enjoyed, I really enjoyed and sharing it with other people makes it that much more fun, is I remember starting this journey with Al and Joe. And before I had actually started business with them, I started doing journaling. You know, Part of it was personal goals. Part of it was business goals. And just writing things down that I wanted to accomplish. And there was no limitations on that. It was, what's the office going to look like? What kind of car am I going to drive? What's the income going to look like? What is the team going to look like? And it's amazing to go back now and look at things that I wrote down somehow came to fruition. And I've become a big believer in the power of setting that intention and writing those things down. And things that you thought were once impossible, all of a sudden they're there. And I'll give you a really weird example. So I had written down why I wrote this down way back when I have no idea, but I wrote, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you walked into our office and you had this curved wall? And then wouldn't it be cool if we had hardwood floors? Because at the time, every insurance-based office, they all look the same, all the same artwork, all the same desks and chairs, all the same carpeting. And our first office, we've got that really cool curved wall. Now, I wouldn't recommend a curved wall to anyone because it's terrible for furniture placement. But at the time, in my mind, I thought it was cool. And it turned out. And then our next office, we've got this Beautiful hardwood floors. Now, since we had a flood in the office, and again, hardwood's not great when it gets flooded, so we've replaced them with something that looks like wood. But the whole point is writing things down and setting that intention out in the world just is very, very powerful. And once you get to a little further on your career, like Al and myself, it's really cool to go back, especially with someone, you know, either your business partners or new people coming into the business and share with them, like, this is what we dreamed of and now it's here. So I thought I'd share that with you. No, I, I love that. I think reflection is so important and love hearing your stories and your reflection that you've done there. Thanks for sharing that with me. Sam, talk about uh, going back to again, up being, is this a unique product in the market? And also I think the last time we spoke, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I got the sense that maybe it wasn't live yet, if you will, that it was more still kind yeah. of in development that, and I'm getting the sense from our conversation today that now it is, that there's people out there using it. Am I correct on that? You are correct. People are using it. It's in private beta still, so it's not like it's publicly accessible. Not anyone can get access to it. But yeah, people are 100% using it. And we're rolling out to a bunch more users kind of in very specific pilots throughout this quarter. And then next quarter, we'll be releasing in a more public context. So excited for that. But we're prioritizing for learning at this point, right? We don't want to roll out the app when we know what we already have to do to make it better. So we'll roll out more and more as we need to learn. With that in mind, yeah, it is a pretty unique application, but not like I'm not here to say that like no one else has a mood tracker, a habit tracker in the market, right? There's no ICBT and well-being apps in the market. There's a lot. It is a big space. It is a crowded space. I wouldn't say that there's any like fundamental leader in the market. There are leaders in niche areas, like for example, Noom is a leader in diet and like healthy eating. There's other ones that are very specifically focused on fitness. And there's other ones that are focused on like sleep and only sleep, right? So in niche areas, financial well-being, right? Niche areas, there are leaders, but as a holistic 
mood habit tracker that's tracking how you feel on a daily basis, there isn't really a leader in the market. So we think we're unique across three areas. One is passive automated behavioral tracking. So we basically take habit tracking out of the picture and we can get to the unconscious because of that, right? These are things we're tracking behaviors that you might not even realize you're doing which is really, really interesting because that can allow for really unprecedented insight. If you are the source, if your memory is the source of everything that is in the application, then the insight that that application can generate for you is fundamentally limited because it's based on like your memory in the first place and your memory can be fallible. It is fallible. All of our memories are fallible. So yeah, that's one unique area. The second unique area is this idea of relational well-being. This idea that well-being isn't just in your control, right? So the idea that your loved ones affect how you feel, the idea that their behaviors affect how you behave, the idea that there are external things in the world like the weather, like the stock market, like anything that happens, like government policy that can affect how you feel. And bringing in this kind of idea that well-being isn't just in your control. There actually are external factors that will affect you is really, really important. Yes, how you deal with those factors are in your control, but you need to understand how they affect you in the first place. So that is something that, again, is very unique for our application. And the last thing is this focused on daily or hedonistic well-being. So most apps in the market try to make you get to the bigger parts of well-being, right? Like, And if you look at any model, let's say like the PERMA model, right, of of living a happy, fulfilling, thriving life, right? Uh, living a satisfying life. There are many things that are not things that you can change in one day, right? Like you can't necessarily insert a bunch more meaning in your life in one day, right? You can't necessarily change your life satisfaction in one day. You can't change your relationships. You can't change your job. You definitely can't change all those things in one day, right? These are harder things that to change that have a outsized effect on your well-being over a long period of time. But there are things you can change in your day to make your life better today, right? You can change your meeting schedule. You can change if you're working out or not. You can change who you interact with. You can change who you choose to support. You can change how much you're using your phone. There are things you can change in a daily basis that will improve how you're feeling. Everyone focuses on the bigger things. And those things are important for sure. But we're really focused on those little things. We're focused on how you can make daily improvements to feel better. And that's really unique in the market because I think that is an area that's immediately actionable for someone, right? And it's an area that's really easy to start with, right? Inserting more meaning into your life, if you have a complicated, complex, challenging relationship in your life, like switching your career, switching that relationship, those are harder, meatier things to take on and things that you should take on and you should do. I'm not denying that you should, but they're not necessarily things that are going to feel good doing today. So how do you do the stuff that will make you feel better today and then be in a better mindset to action those bigger things or bring those bigger things into things like therapy and other conversations like that to create more larger, longer term plans? So in summary, there's three things that make us unique. The passive automated behavioral data components, the focus on external well-being and bringing that into the application, and the idea of daily focused on daily well-being, hedonistic daily, what can I do to feel better today?
And I think it's that last part, especially that resonates with me a little bit, just stuff that you can do that and get a little bit of immediate feedback with it and probably make, you know, small adjustments to your behavior to help you feel better. Yeah. And then there's other business reasons why that also makes sense to focus on that problem as opposed to the broader problem. When you're trying to build an engaging and retentive B2C app, but still do good in the world, there's reasons that that problem makes a lot of sense to focus on. Sam, if we're looking ahead to the future for up being five, 10 years out, what's the company look like? Many people think of us as like a well-being company, and we are. But what I really call us is a data for good company. Fundamentally, what we're building is... We're building a new model. We're building a new machine learning model in the emotion detection and recognition space. So, well, that's the wrong word. We're not building a new model. We're training a model in the emotion detection and recognition space. And this model will allow us to understand how you are feeling or how any person is feeling, rather, how the anonymous person is feeling based on the behaviors that they exhibit. And if you can do that, you can build emotion into every single interaction in the world that you have from a software perspective. So you can build emotion into every piece of software. You can say, hey, software, let's like, rather than optimizing for a different metric of value, like attention or like total time spent on the app, right? Like the attention world, which is what most applications optimize for. Let's optimize for how someone feels while they're using the application, or let's optimize for how someone feels after they use the application, right? Let's optimize for how productive the application makes them or how much more motivated it makes them. Let's create emotional experiences in software. And the underlying model that we're training will allow for that. So I can go into a lot more detail there. It's kind of a, me and Sean sometimes have like late night conversations. And, you know, at one point we said, oh, we're going to change capitalism with this model. So there's a lot more I can go into there. But just at a high level, what I see us as 10 years from now is actually a company that is using the data that we have generated, not selling it, not like violating individual privacy by any means, but using that data that we have gathered to train models, to train insights that can actually make our society care more about human emotion and do more with human emotion and optimize for human emotion. I hope to be part of that future. Very cool. And Al has a signature question that he asks, and I'm wondering if you've already answered it, but I'll get Al to ask you anyway, because Maybe you have something else. It might be the same answer. I'm not sure, but I'm curious now okay. to hear what that answer is going to be. Well, you've definitely, just with what you're doing, you've you've given the answer. But yeah, maybe there's something else on the personal side that we don't know about. So yeah, let's fire away. So there's a saying that goes, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Yeah, and... I don't think I've mentioned any of the things that come to mind when you ask that question to me, to be honest. Like for sure, like Upbeing has a social good component to it, right? And yeah, like the company that we're building will plant a massive proverbial tree for the future. Hopefully we're making the world a better place. But you know, when I think of myself and the trees that I'm planting right now and that I think are much more likely to flourish, right? Like up being, there's a lot of risk in what we're building and it's it's not easy to create a company and especially it's not easy to reach that vision I articulated. But things that, you know, I'm very confident that we're doing is, is there's really three things that come to mind. So first is I'm reflecting with my co-founder over, you know, the holidays and 
the one thing that we're already incredibly proud of is the employees that we've built and fostered and their motivation and the fact that they feel like they're growing at the company and the fact that they love working at Upbeing. This was something that felt amazing to me, right? Like we did this anonymous survey. I did one-on-ones with each team member and I view the way we're adding to their career, especially the more junior folks, especially the co-ops in our organization, the way that they have had like this really great employer employment opportunity and understand you know what it is to work at a company that cares about them and that makes them feel motivated is just super exciting to me. So I think that that is a tree that comes to mind right away. It's the people that we're affecting in our organization. And that's where we can really start on our mission, right? Help people feel better every day. Well, we have eight people who we're taking most of their time every day. So let's make them feel good first and foremost. And then running a business can be all encompassing, but and trees take time to grow. So I know that this tree of up being is going to take some time to grow. But what can I do today with my time? And that's the communities that were mentioned by Robin in my intro. Like those are really important to me, the communities that I've invested in. And I continue to do that even while I'm a CEO. People will say, oh, you have to be entirely 100 focused on your startup. And it's true. Sometimes I do, but the busyness ebbs and flows, right? Like, you know, when we're in product building mode, like right now, yeah, there's a bunch I'm still doing, but there's also like, I don't have to work 16 hour days, right? Like it's, I have other time I can give and how I use that time is important to me. And yeah, whether it be Layup, MLA, Venture for Canada, these are organizations I care deeply about and that I think I do good for the world. So I see those all as as trees for me. And then myself, you know, like I, I think being a founder is a tree in a career that is an essential tree in the forest of my career, right? If we want to bring that analogy further, right? So I feel like I, I've planted a tree for myself too. And that founder journey might not become successful, right? Like I might not sit under that future tree of up being and be like, oh, okay, this was a massive success. I hope it will. I have great conviction that it will be. I'm very confident that we're doing all the right things to get there. But at the same time, I'm realistic. And I, and I know that maybe that's a tree that ultimately flourishes in my career that I can help someone else with, that I can use to help a future founder with, right? That I can use to coach someone with that lived experience of being a founder. So it's cool to be able to start a business in something that I'm truly passionate about, and then hopefully use that experience to help other people in the future. A little long-winded answer, but I do really love that question, Al. No, and that's great. And sounds like you were really making a point to reach out and influence and touch other people and help them along the way. So no, that's great. I really appreciate it. As you were chatting there, and I remember reaching out to you via LinkedIn for the first time and you coming back and asking some questions. And then we finally jumped on that call. I was very happy that we did. And even more so, Sam, after this conversation, I'm really glad we're connected and I look forward to future conversations. So I just want to thank you for joining us today and sharing the story of Upbeing and what you've been up to. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Upbeing? So you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Sam Davio on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way I do answer there. You can also go to www.upbeing.ai. 
and join our waitlist. You'll get access to the app as soon as we do release it publicly. If you do that, you might get access early because we might want you to test something out for us. So that's the best way to follow along with Upbeing. And yeah, I just honored to be on this podcast, Robin and Al. It really was a delight talking to both of you and learning from both of you and your experiences. And thank you so much again for the opportunity. Well, our pleasure, Sam. Well, that does it for today's episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And always remember, success leaves clues.